0: Welcome to the All About Alts podcast where we explore the world of alternative investing to help you find financial independence. Join our host, NewView Trust's president, Jason DeBono, as he covers a variety of topics with different guest speakers to discuss tax and alternative investing strategies. It is never too late to start taking control of your financial future. And we are so excited for you to be joining us for this opportunity to hear from some of the best in the business. Hey everybody, welcome back to the All About Alts Podcast. I am your host, Jason DeBono, and I am joined with a special guest today, Stacy Chitty from Blue Vault. How are you, Stacy?
1: Doing well, Jason. Glad to be with
0: you. Hey, good to see you, Stacy. I've known Stacy for some time and our passive cross over the years in a few different varieties, but we'll talk a little bit about that. But you know, we don't do bios on the show, but I got to say, the first thing that jumped out when Stacy sent me his bio is he is a University of Georgia Bulldog. And so I can only assume he's been relishing these last couple of years.
1: Yeah, I have, Jason. I have. And just to set the record straight, I have been a Bulldog my entire life. Okay. I'm not a newcomer. All right. So my bedroom was decorated as a Bulldog when I was 11 and 12. And I had a pillowcase that, said a bulldog sleeps here you know that kind of thing so we'd be in the dove field hunting dove listening to larry munson on the radio saturday afternoons bulldog that was before you know they were on tv every week so the best you could do is listen to them on the radio and then i went to school there of course but i was a bulldog way before then so there's a lot of folks i think who kind of jumped on the bandwagon in the last couple of years but, you know, we we had this optimistic attitude every single year. This is our year. This, <laughs> Fat people started making fun of us, especially over at Alabama. And then finally it, it happened, Jason. So we, we're proud. We don't know what to think about this year's team quite yet, but it's fun watching them. They're obviously very talented and going to have a really tough game tomorrow against Kentucky, who's playing some good ball. So we'll see.
0: Well, anytime you get two national championships in a row, it's always hard because that should be assigned to temper expectations and be grateful, but sometimes it dials them up even harder. So the listeners on the show know I went to UCF here in Orlando, kind of a super big, still small and up-and-coming school in the football world, but I'm happy to say that last time we did play the Georgia Bulldogs, we beat them for what that's worth. Now, it wasn't the last two years, but we'll take it.
1: I didn't even know that, Jason. When was that?
0: Gosh, now you're going to put me on the spot. I should have done better research. It was in a bowl game in, probably about 10 years ago. Okay. Little do people know, the last time we played Florida, Auburn, Alabama, and Georgia, we beat them all.
1: Yeah, I remember when you beat Auburn that year. That was a stunner. Well, you guys got a, a lot of really good athletes, and you know, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you pull those athletes away from Florida and Florida State and Miami, but you do it. And of course, Florida is just littered with good football talent. That certainly helps. Oh, so, yeah, you got a good program. You should be proud. Big school down there too, right?
0: Yeah, we're I think it's over 70,000 students now. I I always joke I graduated from there back in 2005 and you know, people ask about UCF. I wouldn't be getting into UCF right now. The school has just taken off and done so much and Yeah. Yeah, it's been really cool to see their growth and what they're doing over there. So, Yeah. But we could talk college football all day and maybe we'll save that for another podcast, but Stacey, let's talk a little bit about your background. I think you know we're in the business on the podcast about alternatives, and and Stacey lives, breathes, sleeps, eats alternatives, and so you co-founded Blue Vault, right? Which is kind of an educational platform, maybe for better, you know, lack of better terminology. And we're going to get into Blue Vault and everything that you guys are doing there. But you know, let's talk a little bit about your background. I mean, you've got equity sales managing director at Griffin Capital, vice president broker dealer relations at Wells Fargo or at Wells Real Estate Funds. You've been at Moody Securities. So you've run the gamut, but all of those on the alternative side of the fence. So just give us a little bit of background and maybe our listeners, kind of what does that mean? What are maybe some of the the responsibilities of those roles? And then really, how did that line of alternatives get drawn and, and where was it drawn and kind of what did you oversee there?
1: Well, probably like a lot of folks, Jason, you know, I didn't know what I was doing when I joined Wells Real Estate, and what I mean by that is is I didn't really understand the industry at all. I didn't know what I was. It was just a job. I knew it had something to do with real estate. I did not really understand that it had to do with securities, but I knew Leo Wells—not well, but I knew him—and I said, "Hey, this guy looks like he's kind of, you know, successful, and it's got something to do with real estate." So. That's what I did. And when I joined Wells in 1997, January, I, there was a guy there in real estate that said, man, you're kind of like a sponge, aren't you? And I was. I wanted to know more about it. I wanted to go to every single department and every different person who was much, much senior to me. I was the 35th employee in the in the firm that later got up to 600 people. But I would just ask them questions, you know, about what they do and how this all works. And so I started trying to piece things together. And ultimately... Leo wanted me to do what everybody else was was hired there to do, help raise capital. And of course, there I'm joking there were people there who managed the money and that the portfolio, that sort of thing. But it was a very capital-raising-centric, focusing type of endeavor at Wells. And there were a lot of people there who were good at that. And, and all kind of led by Leo himself. Leo was good at that kind of thing. He had an ability to relate to advisors. And he, you know, I think he knew that and he took advantage of it and he loved to educate advisors. And there was a variety of ways that he did that. So I was there for nine years. During that time, we went from raising $35 million a year to $2.7 billion a year. And I left in 05 and unfortunately that they started, you know, they had, they got to the point where it just wasn't working out for them, I guess. And they finally folded in 2012 for some reasons. So I was I was long gone by that time and did spend about 18 months with Griffin. Kevin Shields, good guy. He hired me really to build out the REIT infrastructure to raise capital. But then the Great Recession hit and it really kind of put a stop to everything. And Kevin was, he came to me and said, Stacy, I'm not going to do this right now. You need to go get another job. And he said, but I'm going to pay you till you get another job. And that's exactly what he did. And then that next job was Moody National, who for the same purpose, building out a REIT. And about 18 months later, the recession, as you know, Jason, was really bad and it had a lasting effect. And it really had a lasting effect on hotels, which is what Moody National did. Brett Moody, great guy, knows what he's doing and just fun guy to be around. But my partner and I that started Blue Vault were both there at the time and we just knew we needed to go do something else. So the way that got started quickly is that I said, Man, I can't go to another product sponsor and go to back to all those broker dealers after being at Wells and then Griffin and then Moody and you know, they only want to see you so much, right? We got to find something else to do. And she said, I know what we can do. I said, Okay, what? She said, We can create. Through SEC filings, we can create competitive intelligence research, if you will. And she had done this at Wells, actually. So she knew exactly what she was talking about. But I was not as familiar with her about that. And I just thinking she said something about a publication. And I remember thinking, no, I don't want to be in the publication business. And so I was not enthused about it at all. But we talked, and the more we talked, the more excited I got. So we decided to jump in. We started the company in October of 2009. So what is that? 14 years ago. We just passed that. And so the first thing literally that we did, it was real simple, provide research, performance based research on non-traded REITs, because that was really the only thing raising capital in the marketplace, in all its marketplace. There was no interval fund presence at the time. There was no BDC presence. The private offerings were mainly tick offerings and That industry had just exploded, the 1031 tick industry. And so we just started covering REITs and a lot of people thought we couldn't do it. And to be honest, I don't know that I'd do it again. If I had to go back and do it again, I don't know that I would because it was a risk and it it worked out. The one thing we wanted to do is target advisors because, and you may have more questions about this, I'll just say this. We felt like that there was a lack of transparency in the space. And one of the ways that played out was an advisor would use a REIT with a client, and then the advisor didn't really understand how that REIT performed over the next five years, seven years, even 10 years. They'd get little updates from their wholesalers and that kind of thing, but you know, I don't think it went very deep. And we just felt like, hey, we could probably do a better job in our industry keeping that advisor informed so that they can have informed conversations with their clients and there's also an accountability aspect to it so if people are talking about it based on the reporting you're doing then you're holding those that manage the client's money you're holding them more accountable than had been in previous years and so it just ended up working out and so here we are now we've expanded since that time but that's the way we got started
0: well you know it's such a great story and and maybe to take a step back for some of our listeners that may not know exactly you know this non-traded Advisor-based product offering that sits out there. You know, let's dig in a little bit on that. And you know, when we talk about alts, I think we kind of look at them, and the public can look at them a lot of different ways. But we tend to look at them really kind of, you know, two or three different ways, right? You've got your one-off investments, which could be considered alternatives—a piece of property, a private loan, an investment into a friend's business. I mean, any of those could and should be considered an alternative, but they're one-off based, and so a lot of people think that if they don't want to be in stocks and bonds that's what they have to be in and really this world that we're talking about you know stacy is financially created product looks like a security looks just like public equities in a lot of ways but not a public equity but it's alternative asset strategies and so you know real estate certainly is one of the most common but this isn't an investment into one property rental duplex some sort of asset like that you know, these are big funds and some of these are five million, fifty million, fifty billion, you know, and everything in between raising money to buy hotels and apartment buildings and office buildings and you know, medical and build to rent facilities and the like. So, you know, I think for our listeners, I couldn't encourage you guys more to take a look at Blue Vault, even though really you're not on the advisor side, maybe necessarily who they're producing most of their education for, but get a good handle on what types of alternative products do exist, because you may be able to invest your retirement accounts or your personal funds into really institutional level real estate and mortgage you know, type deals that are not publicly traded. So you know, that's a quick primer. I, you know, Stacey, you know that word a little better than I do, but anything you want to add on that, how does the average customer maybe that doesn't have an advisor kind of enter into that space?
1: Well, first of all, you know I would encourage these clients to have advisors because it's hard to know where to go to invest in alternatives. I mean, it's hard enough to know which stocks and bonds and mutual funds and ETFs to invest in on your own, but an advisor has an array of resources that help them. You know, They're not the ones picking and choosing which investments. They're professional folks that that's all they do, and they just manage that process. But of course, there are those that want to just do things on their own. And fortunately, you've got the resources. New View is one of those. You've got the resources where you can do that today. It, and I don't know that it really existed the way that it does today. Now, yeah, back in the old day, you could always go in with a friend or family member and buy a building, but boy, it probably wasn't a class A office building, probably wasn't a class A anything building, and it probably didn't have a very good tenant in it. And you probably didn't make money. In fact, You may have lost your shirt on that deal. These deals today, these securities today are so highly diversified and the portfolios are managed and run by individuals. This is their livelihood. This is what they do for a living. So they know how to manage risk, for example. They know how to diversify the portfolio. They're constantly looking at problem areas out into the future, a year, two years out into the future. They're really good at managing debt. And so they do all of these things for you. So, so yeah, you may just own just a piece of it, but at least you own a piece of it. That's better than the way it was in the past where you were pretty much shut out of things like this. So it's just a safer way to do it. If you didn't have that, then my recommendation would probably stick to the stocks and bonds, but the world has completely changed now. And so since we do have access to those things, investors ought to be they ought to pay more attention to these things and they ought to ask their advisor about these things or reach out to other firms who know about alternatives like a blue vault, like a new view.
0: Yeah, it really is an ever-changing world. And you know, we've both been in this business a long, long time. And, you know, I think accessibility is probably the thing that has been the greatest outcome in the alternative space in the last probably 10 years, because really prior to that. You had to know someone that knew someone. You had to have a high net worth portfolio and you had to really have access. And I think today, you know, accessibility really is there for alternatives for everybody to what scale, to what degree. But it means everybody now has the ability to put institutional level real estate, right, where you're investing through someone that's doing the due diligence, doing the work, no different than buying a mutual fund where someone is picking all the stocks for you. You're basically having someone pick the real estate. And, you know, the alternative space just provides a lot of opportunity. And it comes with risk, just like buying a stock, just like buying a mutual fund. There's no guarantees. But, you know, having the right track record, strong professionals, diversified portfolios, access to institutional quality product you know, it just reduces the risk, never will eliminate it, but it reduces it. So, I love what you guys are doing at Blue Vault and think it's so cool because you guys are really instrumental in helping a lot of financial advisors that maybe 10 years ago never really offered their clients alternatives. You know, they had a very white, you know, 60 40 portfolio, black and white. This is what you do and you're in here and you're in here. And I think the marketplace has grown because of firms like yours that are helping educate advisors on understanding alternatives and making sure they truly do have a place. And, you know, following that endowment model, right, you know, where people are actually really, truly diversified, not just diversified in different asset classes in the same stock market. so. I'm excited to talk about Blue Vault because I think there's some really cool stuff that you guys are doing out in the marketplace. I want to make sure that our listeners get a good feel because our listeners need that education. They need to understand, you know, if they're on the advisor side, how do they do more of this? And if they're not, how do they know what to look for in advisors? How do they know how to go access some of these alternatives? So we're going to get to that, but I'm going to throw you on the hot seat, Stacey, if you don't mind. We're going to take a quick pause here, and, and Maggie is coming over with the envelopes for our quirky questions of the day. So, Stacy, uh, you ready for this? I'm ready. All right. These are listener submitted. I'm going to go middle envelope today. So these are listener submitted. I, just so you know, I don't even know what's in these envelopes until we read them. So if you have them to send in, if you're listening, you can send those in to Maggie, our show producer at Maggie with a Y at newviewtrust.com with a U. Here we go. All right, Stacey. Question number one. Can you share a personal achievement you're particularly proud of? Not terribly quirky, but talk about yourself for a minute. What's probably the most proud personal achievement on your end? Well,
1: in the business world or anywhere?
0: The world is your oyster. These are your questions to answer.
1: Okay. Well, you know, you can't ask me a question like that and me not think about my children. That's my greatest accomplishment, my, my children. There are three of them. Got a senior in college at the University of Georgia. I've got a sophomore in college at the University of North Georgia. And then I've got a junior in high school, girl, boy, girl. And I'm pretty proud of them. So, yeah, if it all ended for me today, I would say that I've done pretty well in that category, Jason. I'm pretty proud of those rascals.
0: Oh, man. Well, always good to hear that. And I can see it in your facial expressions. That's a proud dad moment. And those are the best to hear. So, and it sounds like they're all doing well and almost all off the payroll. So
1: that's... Yeah, we'll see. How they- <laughs> I've heard some pretty horror stories about all of that. You know, we'll see how that ends up happening. But they're all pretty driven. They want to succeed. So I think, you know, I'm, I'm in a good category there. So they all make great grades, by the way. I didn't. You mentioned UCF earlier. I would have never gotten into the University of Georgia today. With the standards today, I mean, I'm fortunate. I graduated from high school. You know, I was all into sports. It was all about sports, and I was going to make my millions playing baseball or football or something like that. You know, I had it all figured out as a tenth grader. Those things didn't pan out. I quit growing, by the way, after the eighth grade. I was as tall in eighth grade as I am now, so <laughs> that didn't work out. That plan didn't work out.
0: Well, it looks like your plan B, and maybe this was C, D. You know, and that's the beauty of life is. Keep playing in and, and eventually what will be will be. And so seems like it's working out well for you. Yeah. All right, Stacy. Movie theater or streaming a movie
1: at home? Streaming a movie at home. That's an easy one for me right there. I love, love sitting in front of uh, the television at home. We're movie enthusiasts, I guess you'd say. We like movies. Well, I probably like movies more than the rest of my family, but they like them too. And I like to go to the theater every now and then. I'll tell you that we enjoy the popcorn. It's better at the movies, no doubt about it. And I love the big screen, but just the convenience of being able to stay at home. And I know that probably the movie industry, movie theater industry, you know, they won't hear this, but if they did, they wouldn't be very happy with me. I get it. It has business consequences, people who enjoy staying at home. But I guess on the other hand, the streaming business is good. Yeah, we like that. And of course, I love the Braves. and I love the Bulldogs. So I like to watch them as well. But yeah, that's streaming's my answer, Jason.
0: All right. Well, I I have to agree with you, but mine's more so because I went to the movies for the first time in quite some time. We've got two kids and man, I mean, to go to the movies anymore and to go to the concession stand and buy a couple of drinks and a couple of candies, it was a pretty pricey outing. So it was enjoyable and I'm with you. Popcorn is unbelievably better and the big screen's great. But yeah, I like curling up on the couch.
1: Now, if you have young children, I can see where going to the movie theater would be a little bit better experience for you because of the kids. We certainly did that. Now, that was before streaming anyway. But when you got young kids, there's just something about letting them sit there and enjoy that Nemo movie or Charlotte's Web movie or whatever it might be from their seat while they're munching on some popcorn. So, yep. But they're not all funny. out of that. Yours may not be. Mine are out of that stage. So.
0: Yeah, mine are right in the thick of it. And it is. It's a fun family outing, that's for sure. All right, Stacey. Question number three. Last question. What's the strangest food combination you secretly enjoy?
1: You know what? I mean, typically, I wouldn't be able to answer these types of questions, Jason. But I'll, I'll throw this out there. I mix my grits with my eggs. I mix them up. And that's how I eat grits and eggs. And I thought that was just what you did with grits and eggs growing up. Evidently, that's not the case. Well, a lot of people don't even eat grits, of course, but I grew up in South Georgia and I eat grits. So grits and eggs with toast and a little grape jelly on the top of that toast and maybe a little crispy bacon, then you can't beat that. So that's my answer there, grits and eggs.
0: All right, well, you wouldn't be a good, as they say in My Cousin Vinny, you know, a self-respecting Southerner Right. And I, I won't ask if they're instant grits or not. I know the answer to that without questions. So,
1: are, but most of the time I'm not.
0: All right. Well, Stacey, you're off the hot seat. Thank you for participating in the quirky questions. Always fun to add a little levity. And thanks to everybody that submits questions. Keep them coming. Always fun to get through that. Let's come down the home stretch here and, and Stacy, let's talk a little bit. You know, we talked about kind of your background. You kind of entered the alternative space really without any knowledge of what you were getting into. And and here we are, you know, after a, a nice career on, on the sale and wholesaling side. Now you're on the really the educational side and analytic side of the alternative space. So let's talk a bit about the what behind Blue Vault. We understand how you got into it and kind of where the opportunity was to start the business. I love hearing stories like that. And a quick reminder to all our listeners, whatever you're doing today may not be what you'll do tomorrow. And you may not have aspirations to go start something. And sometimes maybe opportunity presents itself. And sometimes it's your only option. And so, you know, Stacey's living proof that, yeah, you can do something that you may not really think or even know and take some risk. And here you are 14 years later. So You got 14 years of background at Blue Vault. You guys have have been incredibly successful in analytics and education. So give us the what, you know, what are the things that maybe now, 14 years later, if we looked out at the next 12 months, like does Blue Vault want to accomplish? What's the value they're looking to add to the marketplace? Give us a little bit of that insight.
1: Really, we want to be a problem solver, primarily for the advisor. And as we do that, Jason, we're also solving problems for independent broker dealers, We're solving problems for asset managers. We're solving problems for service providers in the industry, firms like NewView. So I feel like as we do what we do, we are somewhat holistically better informing the industry so that people just understand they have a better grasp of what an alternative investment is and why they should be utilizing alternative investments. And as you know, a lot of people want to talk about alts today. That was not the case five years ago. That was certainly not the case 10 years ago. But most advisors still don't really understand the options that they have to diversify a client's portfolio out of those public markets. Maybe they do know what a hedge fund is. Maybe they've dabbled with hedge funds. That may be the thing that comes to their mind when we mention alts. But that may be one strategy you use, but that's not what we're talking about when we speak of alts in in our space. It is tied mostly to real estate. I think that that's changing also. If there's anything wrong with the real estate. By the way, you know, they're not making any more of that, of real estate. So we're big proponents of real estate done the right way, of course. But there's a lot of other strategies, alt strategies that are coming to the marketplace that I think are good as well. Of course, credit, everybody thinks of credit, but we just want to solve problems. So what does that look like today? Well, first of all, there just needs to be more information about alts in the marketplace and done so in a way that attracts the advisor's attention. And if you want to talk about performance, that's one way you can do it. Maybe an advisor is not thinking about performance at all yet, but they are thinking about alts, but they just don't know how to get started. It's not like having everything at their fingertips like they do in the stock and bond ETF mutual fund markets. So they don't know how to get started. So When we, obviously, Jason, when we first started Blue ball. it was all about the actual securities, in this particular case, non trader REITs, and how they were performing. But it's so much more than that. So performance is just one of the tools that we use to educate advisors about alts today. Other tools are the technology behind it all, the processing behind it, the ease of use of using alternative investments and how to explain to your client what an alt is in the first place. And maybe they don't even use that word alt. Maybe there's a better way they've come up to, maybe they just say, hey, I think we should diversify outside of the public markets or the stock market. That's what probably most investors think of when they think of investing. They just probably think of the stock market, what did the Dow do yesterday. You know. Well, we know it's a lot more complex than that. But I think that we all could do a better job, and I think we are. What you're doing right here, you're participating in that process of making it simpler and easier for an advisor. Maybe, I don't know if you have investors listening to your podcast or not, but maybe investors too. One thing I do know, advisors are starting to move to alts and get more interested in alts because they're being asked about it by their clients. And the reason why is the clients are hearing about it in the news, you know, I'm not saying they're hearing it on Fox News or CNN, but that somehow they're getting the information about alts. And you know this, we've seen, seems like every day I get an email from some large institutional firm talking about alts today. And that was never on their radar 10 years ago. You would have never gotten an email about that. So I think that that's what's happening And Blue Vault wants to be in that conversation. We've built a platform where we feel like that we're playing a role there. By the way, we're launching a brand new website, bluevaultpartners.com. Next, I think, Tuesday morning early is when it's going to be ready to launch. And we have a lot of content at our website currently, but we felt like there was a better way we could do it. So much of the content's the same, but the layout is completely different. And the advisor understands that we are here for them when you go to this new website. So it's about them, about educating them. And we try to do that in a variety of ways. Everyone likes to learn in different ways. We try to tap into that as much as we possibly can. And then we host an annual event every year for advisors as well. And next year it's going to be in the Dallas area, Frisco. Actually, it's March the 11th through the 13th. We're expecting about 400 people to attend that event. is at the Omni PGA Frisco Resort. The PGA headquarters are there. So when I found out about the hotel, I had no idea about the PGA deal, but some people like golf and maybe that persuades them to go there, but that's where it's going to be held. We're in the middle of the country for the first time ever. We've been in Atlanta and Orlando for the last nine years. And we'll be headed towards the middle of the country, and make it easier for those on the West Coast to venture over and join us as well. So, this event is specifically for Wealth Advisors. So, Wealth Advisors, we open up registration next Wednesday, October the 11th, I believe it is. And you're encouraged to register and join us if you use Alts and want to know more. If you don't use Alts but want to know more, if you want to meet the asset managers in the space that are creating these solutions in the marketplace with an alts strategy. And maybe you just don't know what they do, or maybe you don't understand their performance. They will be there. So the best of the best will be at this event. And ultimately, the goal is to educate. So I may have rambled on there a little bit, Jason, but there's a long-winded answer to your question.
0: I appreciate you running the gamut in terms of kind of where Blue Vault is and what you guys are doing. I do want to pull something out that you kind of brought up, and that is this more people are asking about alts than ever before and one of the things that we've seen and i I think we've all seen it and it goes back to that kind of discussion we had earlier about accessibility but the demand is going up right and so i think what we're seeing is you know 20 years ago when alternative was considered exclusive you know you didn't touch real estate whether you bought your own rental property or whether you bought through an institutional level provider or issuer you just didn't do it. You, know, you went to your advisor. They put you in, in a stock bond mutual fund portfolio, some sort of 60-40 mix. And I think what they've realized is that the overall performance and benchmarks of any endowment, especially that followed that Harvard model you know, with alternatives and was outperforming everything else. And you know, when markets go down, i.e. 2008, 9, 10, depending on kind of where you draw the line in terms of when things started to feel the pain, if you were in any one market you really lack diversity and so as the marketplace started to come back you now have with the internet we live in a world of instant education and i think it's put this model of alternatives in the forefront in a way that they've never been in the past and it's great to see and you've got some regulation like crowdfunding and reggae and some other things that allowed some more general solicitation now you have people like grant cardone who are fantastic marketing experts you know, that are now able to go out and talk about, hey, you can own a piece of this apartment building. And I certainly am not here to endorse anyone or suggest that that Grant Cardone's products are worthy of investment. That's up to you to do your own due diligence. But the reality is, 10 years ago, you would never see anything like that. You wouldn't know, you know, that the neighborhood Publix Plaza was owned by a bunch of investors, or the hotel that you're staying in actually had individual investors owned in it. So, It's really cool to see. And I think you guys have played a large part of that with your education. And what I love about what you guys are doing is you're not necessarily educating the masses, you're educating the advisory groups that are out there, the wealth managers that really in the past have been and are either the gatekeepers to access these alternatives, or really what they were prior to that was the gatekeepers to prevent access because they just didn't have this world at their fingertips. So I commend the work that you guys have done over the last 14 years because you guys were educating on alternatives before it became a noisier market. And what you guys have done in the marketplace has really been fun to watch. You know, we talked a little bit about your event. You mentioned kind of the annual event that you guys do. And, you know, let's just touch on that maybe as we kind of come to a close here. You know, from an event standpoint, if someone's listening out there today, you know, we understand the wealth managers, right? Any sort of broker-dealer advisor type licensure can certainly participate, but what would your advice be, maybe your guidance to our listeners that may not have an advisor, or maybe they have an advisor, but they don't really have any discussions with that advisor about alts? Is that something they can help push their advisors to, to get more knowledgeable and learn? What would you kind of give as maybe some parting words for those folks?
1: Well, yeah, absolutely. They're asking about alts. I guess one of the follow-up questions would be, what are you doing, Mr. Advisor? You're my advisor. What are you doing to learn more about alts? I mean, so in other words, do you know this world or do I need, and if I, if I want to access some of these strategies, do I need to go down the street to or go to the next Kiwanis Club and, and find another advisor? And the reality is, is that, that a lot of the advisors are being moved in that direction of alts, number one, because their clients are asking, number two, because they know that the guy down the road is offering it now. And you know, I've never been an advisor. What I hear some people say is it's not difficult to do it the way that everybody else has always done it. The difficulty is And the rewarding part is when you go outside of that box and you go deeper. You care, for example, about your clients enough to say, hey, I need to go find out more about what might be better for my client instead of just doing what everybody else is doing. So, yeah, every client should be asking their advisor, what are you doing? What do you know about alts? What are you doing if you don't know? What are you doing to learn about it? And, of course, one of the places they can go to learn a lot about it is our Blue Vault Bowman Alts Summit every year, which I just mentioned is in March 2024. So, yeah, we welcome advisors. There's a limit. We're going to be able to take about 200 advisors. And so space is limited. When we open up registration October the 11th, we're also offering a discount off registration. The registration cost for an advisor is $299. And we'll give you a hundred dollar discount if you register in the first thirty days. You'll also be entered into a draw into to uh, win one of four two hundred and fifty dollar gift certificates to use on site at the Omni Hotel. That could be just a discount off your hotel room, or that could be a round of golf, or whatever it may be. But we can't educate Jason all of about all of these different strategies, all of these different companies, all of the different performance. You know, it can be overwhelming. We can't do that by ourselves. So we really lean on our partners to help us do that as well. We try to involve them in what we're doing, just like what you're doing today. So some of those partners are the asset managers themselves who really understand the real estate market or the credit market, maybe the energy market, the oil and gas market. And so They play a large role in helping us educate, whether it be a podcast, a webinar, submitting a white paper to us, submitting an article to us, participating at our event. All of these asset managers will have booths. Some of them will have presentation time. And we would encourage them to talk not just about them. Now, some of them may do that, but talk about alts in general. Teach the advisors there what they need to know. And of course, that's a balancing act. So they've got to do a little of both probably. But I could tell you, the quality of the asset manager product sponsor in the world today, in the US today, as it relates to all is really, really impressive. It's not like it used to be. And you know, some of these folks are institutional, large institutional players. Some are not, but they all really understand the marketplace and know how to manage that piece of a Client's portfolio, that 10 or 15% piece of the client's portfolio. So, you know, we're doing the best we can right now to educate more. And I think, by the way, alts are here to stay. I don't think this is just a fad, just something that people are going to do for four or five years and then it's going to revert back. I think once they're educated about it, they're going to stay here because they're going to understand the importance of diversification. And I will say this probably the most important thing that an advisor or client could know is that the institutions around our country that manage other people's money, the state run organizations that manage money for their teachers, for example, for the fire and the police, other entities that are out there, they've been using alternative investments for years and years and years. In fact, they use more of that than they do the public markets. So it's just the opposite of what the retail investor participates in, even though the retail investor is catching up, if you look at the more sophisticated institutional players managing money, they are the ones that are using alternative investments. So what does that tell you? If they're doing it, there's a reason that they're doing it. And retail investors should be asking their advisors about it as well.
0: Yeah, it's certainly coming full circle and and you're absolutely right. I mean groups Large scale billion dollar funds have been more alt-heavy over time than public equity markets. And not to say one's better than the other, but you know, a true balanced and well-diversified portfolio has to include alternatives and the strategies move. You know, the marketplace moves. It's the world today in 2023 is not the same as it was in 2019 or 2020 or 2015 for that matter. And you know, twenty twenty-five is going to look different than twenty twenty three. And so having an advisor that understands alternatives that can help position your portfolio in a way to include alternatives and include strategies that maybe go in a counter-cyclical manner to public equities. So you truly have these non-correlating assets is certainly something everybody should be looking at. So if you're listening today and you've got a financial advisor and they're not talking to you about alts turn the tables on them and ask them about alts. And if they're not familiar enough, you know if that's the sign, either give them a chance to get with a firm like Blue Vault and get educated or maybe find an advisor that's got a little bit more depth and knowledge so that your portfolio can start to look a little bit more like these larger portfolios that have had great success. Yeah, and Jason, let
1: me just add, if you ask that question and the advisor can't clearly communicate with you what alts are or how they can benefit you, There's a high likelihood the advisor just does not understand the market. Absolutely. So just a little intel there, you need to find or access advisors who understand the market as a whole and not just the smaller traditional way that retail investors have invested their money.
0: Yeah, great info, Stacy. And I can't thank you enough for being here and, and sharing with us your story, which is such a cool one. And certainly what you guys are doing at Blue Vault, your fingerprints are certainly on you know the activity that's driving people really in, in large scales to just learn more about alternatives. And I think most people, when they learn more about them, realize that, hey, they're not as scary as maybe I once thought. And hey, gosh, You know, I probably know more about alternative assets than I do about public equities, believe it or not. And it's hard for people to come to that realization without knowledge from firms like yours. So Stacey, thanks for what you guys are doing and best of luck on the new website launch and best of luck on the upcoming event. We're going to wrap up here, but we wrap every show up with the Learn Before You Burn segment. This is our chance to get the experience out of people and our guests so that we can get the lesson, and we can learn, but maybe we don't have to touch the hot stove to get that same lesson. So Stacy, tell us about a time in your life you touched the stove, but learned a valuable lesson. And what's your learn before you burn guidance for our listeners as we wrap up?
1: Well, I've been burned in a lot of different ways. So I'm trying to narrow it down to one or two, but you know what? You do learn when you do get burned. I'm not suggesting that you go get burned so that you can learn. That's the hard way to do it. The wiser way to do it is to learn from others, One mistake that I made, Jason, actually relates to what you and I are talking about. I've been in this industry since 1997, but I did dip my toe in the water into the residential real estate market just from an investment standpoint. Of course, I don't know how to build a house, but I did that right before the Great Recession. So I probably don't need to say any more. It was a very valuable lesson. It was an expensive lesson to learn and maybe even took a couple of years off my life because I had to go learn things that I had no intention of learning. Didn't think I would have to do that. But when things go south, you have to figure out how to dive in and what's the best way to recover from it. So you know, fortunately, I didn't have a big, big company where I was doing this, but I did get burned by that. And I'm not going to say I would never do that again, but I would probably never do that again. Again, that's very different than what the asset managers that you and I know, and they're dealing, they're dealing with commercial real estate, very, very different animal than than residential housing, you know, single family residential housing. So it was a riskier thing that I jumped into. But the point, the bigger point is I was not an expert at that and really had no business doing that. Now, some people love to buy rental homes and they rent them out and they end up doing very, very well. But There's a lot of people who do that and it ends up burning them too because they're not a handyman and everything goes wrong and they're spending too much money getting new air conditioners or fixing pipes, that sort of thing. The point is, if you are an investor or you're an advisor who manages investor money, there's a better way to do that. And the better way to do it is to trust the experts. And the market was not available to you many, many years ago. Now, like it is now, and now it really is. So you can come right alongside wealthy, wealthy individuals, invest in commercial real estate, the top-notch, top-grade properties in the country, and tenants who lease those properties in the country. You can do that through the securities markets that have now been created, which financial advisors can tap into. So there's really no excuse anymore not to do that. And so I hope that if you are one of those that don't really know what we're talking about here, I hope that you'll ask some questions and go learn because it's something that if I were an advisor or an investor, I would absolutely want to do. Nothing wrong with the public markets, but there's a better way to do it than just doing that old 60-40 the way that we all once did. So that's what I'll say, Jason. I learned a valuable lesson.
0: Well, that the beauty of the experience and the lesson coming together is you tend to not forget it when you have the pain of the lesson at the same time. So, you know, I, what I heard through that, you know, a lot of good lessons to be learned in that. And and it really is if you're going to go do anything that you're just not fully understanding of then you're likely going to find yourself in trouble. And so, if you can't do it yourself, which is perfectly fine, then go find an advisor that can help you. Go find product issuers, you know, institutional level product where the experts are out in front. And yeah, absolutely prudent advice for everybody, Stacy. Yeah,
1: and look at the internet today; it is right at your fingertips. These things to learn are right here too. So
0: yeah. Yeah, we live in a world, there's no excuse to not get educated in whatever it is that's important to you. So, well, Stacy, thank you so much for being here. Best of luck on your continued success and endeavors over at Blue Vault, and we'll look forward to seeing you down the road.
1: Jason, thank you for having me, and I really think you're doing a great job here. Congratulations on your show, and we look forward to supporting you guys any way we can.
0: Thanks, Stacey. And everybody else, our listeners, thanks for being here. As always, tune in. We've got a couple episodes before we close out season one. Been an exciting first season. Hope you guys are learning right alongside all of us. And so if you are, certainly hit the like, share and subscribe button. Leave us a five-star review and help the community understand the level of education we're trying to put out in the marketplace. So Stacey, thanks again, everybody listening. Thank you guys. We'll see you next week.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for
0: listening. We hope the information within this podcast has given you the tools that you need to find your way to financial independence. We would love to partner with you on this journey. Text ALTS, that's A-L-T-S, to 407-708-1853 to learn more about how to get started today. Don't forget to follow us to make sure you don't miss a second of content, and we'll see you next week.